This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And uh, we've got a lot in store tonight. We've got a lot of news to discuss. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk about the Bud Light controversy. That continues. I think they've lost now six, almost $7 billion in revenue. Uh, we're going to talk about that with uh, country music star John Rich. You've seen him on The Apprentice. He's going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, but first, I want to talk about some of the things that are going on right now. It's Monday. Happy Monday. Welcome back. And a great weekend. I'll talk about the weekend a little bit later. But I want to talk about what happened today, right? A bunch happened today in New York um, which with national implications. Uh, we will first start off with a little bit of what happened with the House Judiciary Committee, who did a field hearing. And, you know, Chairman Jim Jordan, who's been on this show plenty of times, he uh, brought the show on the road and conducted a hearing in New York City, which I thought was um, really um, beneficial, right? Because Americans want to know what's going on. And it's uh, it's interesting to hear what they had to say with respect to crime, with respect to so many things that uh, Alvin Bragg, the prosecutor in New York, is doing. Now, they're saying that this is part of the weaponization of government and that uh, attorney, uh, District Attorney Bragg in his prosecution of Trump is being political with his office and isn't really taking crime seriously and he's going after non-criminals when he should be going after actual criminals. And this is a case that I think is very evident to the public, especially not only the national public, but the New York public as well, because clearly there was a bodega owner some time ago, Jose Alba. We have a clip of him, uh, cut number six. He was the bodega clerk who um, at the time was robbed and somebody, you know, comes in, tries to rob this guy and he defended himself with a knife that he had behind the counter from making sandwiches and whatnot. And instead, 
And mind you, this person was attacked by a person with a gun and his, his girlfriend, who was also armed. The prosecutor decided to not charge the, uh, the woman that, that uh, attacked him, but instead decided to charge the victim and put him in Rikers Island in the jail, the floating jail in New York City. And this was a really big deal, and it made national headlines. And uh, Mr. Alba was um, at the field hearing in New York City today. I want you to listen to this. That is when I encountered a true and real threat to my life. After I simply told a woman that she could not have potato chips because her payment was declined, I was face-to-face with her boyfriend, who seemed ready to kill me. He attacked me violently, threw me around the store. The woman stabbed me herself. I truly believed they were there to kill me. So faced with this, I did what I knew I had to do to save my life. What the law law allows me to do to save my life. I stabbed that man in self-defense. But when the police came, even though I was injured myself, I was placed under arrest. I was taken to jail. When I came before the judge, the prosecutor said I was being charged with murder in the second degree. They asked for bail, even though so many people are being let go these days. And I couldn't afford it. So I went to Rikers Island. I was forced into a crowded and unsafe intake cell. Even though I was injured, in jail, I didn't get the medical treatment I should have received. I spent almost a week in Rikers Island before bail was lowered and I could be released. I was forced to endure the harsh conditions on Rikers Island as an innocent man. I still don't know why I was charged with murder. I believe that law enforcement and the DA's office didn't investigate the case fully. They rushed to judgment and I suffered because of it. Even though the charges were ultimately dropped, they should not have been brought against me to begin with. I am now traumatized from the incident. I am not working because I am terrified for my life that someone in a gang will come after me for revenge. I was injured physically and mentally because of the incident and my unlawful arrest and incarceration. My story is one that should not happen again. I agree that should never happen again. And again, that's uh, Jose Alba speaking through an interpreter uh, who was recounting his story of being attacked and stabbed while working back in July of 2022, defending himself and being arrested on second degree murder charges. But he wasn't the only one, right? There were others that appeared today. And it's very sad when you have somebody who's trying to pursue the American dream, uh, open their own business, uh, a small business at that, you know, probably one of the most, if you've ever been to a New York bodega, many of them are little hole in the wall type of places that sell everything and they use every last uh, inch of space on the walls to to peddle their goods and whatnot. And, and it's just a, a shame to see that you have a prosecutor in New York City that is willing to turn his back on the people of New York City. And when he gets tough on uh, on crime, it's crime that isn't even a crime. Crime is a federal offense, a misdemeanor offense, and he's trying to upgrade it to a felony offense, and let alone a federal offense that the federal agencies and authorities decided not to pursue because they felt it didn't meet the standard of an actual federal offense. <laughs> so, I mean, it's again, this is not me uh, coming to Trump's defense. This is really me trying to juxtapose how badly things are going with the 
criminal justice system in New York when you've got a prosecutor who's willing to do such a thing. Now, this same prosecutor turned his his uh, blind eye to other murders, the, the killing of a veteran, and his mom was there to let us know how she felt about this stuff. I want to go to another clip. This is uh, her name, the mom's name, excuse me, Madeline Brame. Now, Madeline Brame, her son is a veteran, and uh, I've got two clips of her. This is really, in my opinion, very powerful stuff. If you are a parent, if you're someone that has a heart that's beating in your chest, you're going to hear this, and you're going to feel that, man, nobody should go through what this woman's going through. But listen to Madeline Brame. And as far as the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, if he's receiving one penny of federal dollars, you need to pull that funding until he starts doing his damn job and prosecuting crime. I was totally disrespected. Me, my family, my grandchildren, we were treated like garbage. Like garbage. I've sat for four and a half years and saw mothers walk in and out. We have a mother sitting here right now whose son, two sons, one died and the other one is on a colonoscopy bag. This is out of Darcel Clark's jurisdiction. So I'm not the only one. There are hundreds and thousands of us. We don't give a damn about your politics. We don't care. It could be the man from the moon who's running for president. Okay? As long as whoever's in there, it stands for law and order. And it's going to return some civility and sanity to our city. Thank you. Yeah, this is really, again, this is a horrible situation. And this mom... Uh, her son was a veteran. He was killed. He's a victim of violent crime in New York. And the prosecutor, again, didn't didn't um, didn't do what he needed to do to put the bad person in jail. And it's so upsetting. It, it really is upsetting to see that, you know, the district attorney Bragg, Alvin Bragg, takes a um, a lackadaisical approach to crime. And and here we have. Listen to the stats here. He's downgraded 52% of felonies. 52% of felonies have been downgraded. Then they only have a 50% conviction rate. Most prosecutors have a 90% or higher conviction rate, not Bragg. Now, during Bragg's first year in office, the crime index in New York went up more than 25 and a half uh, percentage points. This is, I mean, this is one of those things you look at and you say, my goodness, how bad could things be? Now, Madeline Brame, uh, that mom, she's also chairwoman of the Victims' Rights Reform Council, and she told the committee that after her son, who's a veteran of the war in Afghanistan, Sergeant uh, Hassan Correa, um, he was killed in 2018. And, uh, and she went on, and she you know, talked about him getting punched and stabbed nine times by four individuals that he didn't know and had nothing to do with them, never did them any harm, but yet... He was met with that fate. And it's just, again, just very disconcerting. And she went on and gets into a back and forth with um, one of the congressmen where uh, Chairman Jordan uh, uh, jumps in. Listen to this. Your experiences are devastating. But the problem is, is that this is a charade to cover up for an abuse of power that they are going around talking incessantly outside of this hearing about Donald Trump. And the purpose of this hearing is to cover up 
for what they know to be an inappropriate investigation. Now, I look forward, many of you are Can I in respond New York City. You, no, not right now, because I only have 20 seconds. I'm sorry. But I, I do Don't want to Don't insult talk. my intelligence. That, uh, you're uh, not hang on, hang on. The gentleman's time. I'm not insulting you. You're trying to insult me time. like I'm not aware of Ms. what's going Ms. on Brain. here. Thank you. Okay? I'm fully aware of what's going on here. Gentlemen, I will suspend. Okay. Gentleman gets another 15 seconds. Thank you. That's why I walked away from the plantation of the Democratic Party. Yeah. Committee will be in order. Ms. Brame, what, what I was about to say is that as a representative of this city, I look forward to working with you. Here's, I mean, again, uh, if you hear me, if it sounds like I'm laughing, it's because I'm just, it's the incredulity of seeing how these, these uh, folks in Congress deal with the, the victims of violent crime and their families. Of course, these people's tempers are going to flare. That woman's son has, was murdered. And, and this congressman, instead of using empathy, says, look, look, I feel terrible about what you did. But this is really all uh, to cover up Donald Trump's crimes. I mean, how do you really turn around and say something like that when we're talking about Things that are so insignificant that they weren't prosecuted by the feds where it's actually a federal offense. Right. So this is just um, a part of it. We've got a little bit more uh, of the audio from from that hearing. We're going to talk about that. Also want to talk about uh, China. We're going to talk about China. There's a bunch to talk about with China. We also have a couple of guests I want to also um, talk about. We're going to talk with General Anthony Tata. He's coming up uh, at the top of the next hour. And we're also uh, going to have a conversation with Professor John Ellis. And uh, we're going to talk about how universities are once again using bias to do what they do. So um, don't go anywhere. We're just getting started. I'm taking my time with this stuff because there's a lot to digest. And of course, at the bottom of the hour, we've got John Rich. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Is America? This is night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And in addition to the uh, fake, phony, fraud fact checkers getting in gear to defend Alvin Bragg today. Uh, I just wanted to take a second to say, you know what, kudos to Jim Jordan and the Republicans in Congress for actually stepping up and making something happen today, uh, for bringing national attention to what's going on with the politicization of prosecutors' offices. Because uh, it's not just isolated to New York. That just happens to be where they're going after Trump. But these things happen in in, in cities all across America where the pro-crime, progressive politics uh, just seem to to pander to criminals, and they don't care about you and me, we the people, the citizenry. And that, I think, is uh, something that's important because we had never seen it at that level. You know, uh, I oftentimes talk about this uh, gentleman who uh, runs the, the uh, restaurant and coffee shop I go to in the mornings, and uh, he's a Cuban immigrant, and 
He always says, look, I don't agree with your politics and whatever, but he says, I'll say one thing. This country is the best, and it's because of separation of powers. It's because you have a judiciary that hasn't been tainted, a judiciary that is free of politics. And then he goes on and tells me about how the judiciary is weaponized in his country and says things like, you know, when, when the regime doesn't like what you have to say, they'll come up with a crime. They just point people out, you know, like the old uh, Stalinesque quote about, you know, show me the man, I'll find you the crime. And, and he, you know, he complains that this is how things were in Cuba. And he says, uh, I know that that's not the case here. You can still hire a lawyer here. You can still show up to court and have your day and win a case in court. And and I I think he's not getting the concept that that's, that's still true in, in many parts, but it's untrue in others, especially these places like Philadelphia, like New York City, like um, Los Angeles, where you have these woke DAs that were funded by these woke organizations uh, spearheaded by, by Soros and others that want to see this change. And rather than bring about this change through legislation, they bring it about through fundraising and hiring somebody who will agree to like not do their job. Anyway, um, I wanted to also talk about something going on in New York City that two individuals were arrested for allegedly operating an illegal Chinese police station in New York City. Now, I'm thinking, I remember hearing this story. This story broke uh, in, in the New York Post, I think, in October or November of last year. Uh, but today, it was announced by the FBI that the arrests had occurred on these allegations that they helped operate an illegal police station for the government of China in Lower Manhattan. Now, China says its service centers around the world help Chinese nationals with paperwork issues and are run by volunteers. But the United States and other authorities say these are illegal police outposts. Now, for, you know, for China to make a uh, a move uh, like this, um, and I mean, for Biden to make a move on China, excuse me, and uh, it, it's got to be something pretty serious. So things are are getting, um, uh, I don't know, out of hand, let's say. Um, you also got Senator Bob Menendez, who's being um, criminally investigated again and has started a legal defense fund. So it looks like they're coming after Bob yet again. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Bob, but I, I can tell you that the last time they went after him was because he took exception to a few things that Obama had to say and do with Iran. So it's just interesting to me to see, you know, um, you, you start to see who your friends are, even when you're a Democrat, uh, when you go after people. But the people that were charged today are Harry Lu Jiangwang, 61 years old from the Bronx, and Chen Jinping, 59 of Manhattan. I don't know if he's related to Xi Jinping. Uh, that's unknown at this time. But these guys were arrested earlier today on Monday at their homes in New York City. The defendants worked together to establish the first overseas police station in the United States on behalf of the Fuzhou branch of the Ministry of Public Security, according to the uh, FBI's statement. In addition to the New York complaint, two other complaints were filed one against 34 members of Beijing's Municipal uh, Public Security Bureau and another against a group of 10 people that includes eight Chinese government officials. So the uh, common thread in the three complaints was that the suspects allegedly worked to intimidate, harass, and threaten what they called wanted Chinese nationals inside the United States. Last November, the FBI said it was aware that China was operating a de facto police station in Manhattan outside of proper procedure or authority as part of a global network of such outposts. And they followed up on it and came through with these arrests today. So, yes, China is operating illegal police departments in New York City. 
Anyway, straight ahead, the controversy on Bud Light continues. Country music star John Rich is our guest, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. Don't go anywhere and give us a call. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Time. America at night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And it seems like the controversy over Bud Light doesn't end, right? We you know first it was with Dylan Mulvaney. Now we've got uh, Democrats in California thinking they're going to rescue the brand by posing uh, for a picture. Uh, Ted Lieu, Adam Schiff, and other California Democrats uh, decided to pose for a uh, Twitter photo with Bud Lights in their hand. I think that might do just about as much, if not more damage, than the photo with uh, Dylan Mulvaney, the uh, transsexual uh, influencer. But I wanted to um, get a, a unique take on this from country music superstar John Rich. You've seen him on The Celebrity Apprentice, and he's with us now. John Rich, welcome to the program, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on. Good to be with you. Oh, you bet. Uh, so uh, I know your perspective on this is somewhat unique, being that you, in addition to all of your success in country music, you also uh, own a business, and Bud Light is one of your products. Tell us all about it. Yeah, so I own a bar uh, downtown in Nashville, right on Broadway, uh, the home of country music. It's called the Redneck Riviera. It's right in the middle <laughs> of it. And uh <laughs> Bud Light has been the number one selling beer at my bar since we opened our doors back in 2018. Uh, wow. Second place wasn't even close. It was always Bud Light was number one. And when this story broke about a week ago, I told my general manager, I said, keep an eye on those Bud Light sales. I'm curious what happens. And he says, will do. Well, about four or five days later, he calls and he says, well, nobody's buying Bud Light. And I said, what do you mean nobody's buying it? He said, I mean nobody. Nobody's buying it. I said, how many cases of Bud Light are we sitting on? 118 cases of Bud Light, eight kegs. Uh, he said, what do you want me to do? I said, call the distributor and tell them to come pick it up. You know, if nobody's going to buy it, we're not going to stock it. And right. so it's the first time I'd ever seen a beer truck pull up to a bar and take beer out of the bar. <laughs> I don't wow. think that's ever happened before. So, yeah, our uh, our customers said they've had enough of it, and uh, they decided they were going to spend their money somewhere else. Wow. Well, it seems there's been a lot of backlash, right? Uh, the Epic Times has reported that Anheuser-Busch uh, lost somewhere between 5 and $6 billion in market value over this uh, transgender controversy. Do you think that seems accurate? Well, that's what the reports say. I saw one today that said $6.7 billion, that they were wow. all knocking on the door of, of $7 billion. So, you know, listen, man, I mean, a, having a cold beer at the end of the day or on the weekend, you've been working all week, 
you just want to be left alone. You do not want to have to think about politics or, or culture war or wokeness right. or nothing. You just want to drink your cold beer and be left alone. And I, I think uh, these folks are finally understanding we've had enough of this. And, you know, keep your ideology to yourself. Listen, I'm not going to sell you a beer with a AR-15 on it. Why would I do that? <laughs> right. A lot of people would probably be offended by that. And I'm trying to run a business and run a brand. So that's probably not a good idea. Why don't we just give them a great product and, and, and just move on down the road? But no, they have to step in there and try to push their their feelings on everybody else. And I think America is just revolting over it right now. Yeah, it seems that way. And uh, just yesterday, we saw some news come out that Budweiser is has released a uh, pro America ad with the Clydesdales in it to try to drum up that support. And um, uh, Don Jr. came out and said, "Look, we we shouldn't be boycotting this stuff." And it, it's interesting to see, but I think people um, took took offense to it to to really you know kind of vote with their feet. Uh, now you say that's the experience you've had at your bar, but uh, is that kind of throughout Nashville, throughout your uh, experience in the rest of the country? Are you seeing that as much as we're seeing it here on the East Coast? We're seeing it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think you will be hard-pressed to find a big group of people at a NASCAR race when the waitress walks up and says, hey, guys, can I get you something? I think you'll be hard-pressed to hear them go, yeah, we'll take a round of Bud Lights. <laughs> right. I don't think you're going to hear that. I mean, I really think this is a, you know, they call it a culture war for a reason. And most people on the right anyway, they just want to be left alone. Let us work, let us raise our families. And when it's time to unwind and have a, have some fun, let us go have our fun and just leave us alone. But they can't leave them alone. They have to come right into where they're at and, and push their views on everybody else. And I think this is, this is what you're seeing when America starts to push back. Yeah, I agree. I mean, this reminds me a little bit of a, maybe one or two, maybe three summers ago when um, when uh, the um, CEO of Goya was at the White House with then-President Trump and showing support for a business initiative, and um, the left called for a boycott on Goya products, and it, it, it was... Uh, it ended up becoming a boycott, as they called it, and they sold more product than ever. And, and you would think that yeah. they would have learned from that lesson, but uh, I think the wokeness and and the you know whether it's beer sales or bean sales, it, it, I don't think it, it, it's it's a good idea. What's your overall thought on these culture wars? And um, you know, I mean, I, I look back in history, and there's always been culture wars, but I, I can't think of a time. Uh, I'm I'm about to be 45, but I can't think of a time in my lifetime where it's been this this polarized, and I don't mean politics. I mean just things like LGBTQ, the the transgender controversy, all of that. I've never seen it uh, reach this type of fever pitch. Have you? Uh, no, I don't think any of us have. I, I think they. I think a line was crossed when we started to see our kids targeted by this this side. Mm -hmm. You know, as adults, man, bring it on. You do your thing. You leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. We're all Americans. Okay, I can do that. But when you start coming into the classroom with it, when you start targeting the kids on social media and you're targeting them through your ad campaigns and you're targeting them when they go to Disney and on and on and on, then the moms and dads start standing up and going, now hang on a minute. You don't get to step in on our kids. And I think that is when the temperature went way, way up on the other side. And I don't think... Uh, defensive parents is limited to the right. 
I think a right. mom and a dad is a mom and a dad. I, I think they, they want to teach their kids how they want to teach their kids. They don't want John Rich teaching their kids. They don't want somebody on TV or social media teaching their kids something against what they stand for. That's not how it's supposed to work. Those are your kids. And so I think when they stepped across that line, you saw the temperature go up and the intensity level go way, way up. I know it did for me. You know where I'm standing right now? I'm in Nashville standing out at a baseball field watching my fifth grade son pitch nice in a little li- in a little league game with a bunch of other fifth graders, you know, and that's what we care about. It's been a long day for me. I'm at the baseball field and there's nothing I wouldn't do to defend my son. And when I say nothing, I mean literally nothing. And so when we saw them start to attack and move and target our kids, uh, I know speaking personally, my intensity level went up for sure. And I don't think you're alone with that, John Rich. Uh, I think there's a lot of people that, that feel the same way. And it seems like other um, other beer manufacturers, beer makers are doing the same thing. They've also taken offense to it. Uh, Youngling uh, decided to put out a tweet saying they're the oldest brewery in America and they're independently owned and family operated since 1829 because mm-hmm. we make good beer. And they put a picture of a big American flag, which um, got a lot of traction. And, and it seems to me that um, just like you said, families are speaking up, people are speaking up. And um, I, I, for one, I'm kind of happy that people are standing up for things that they believe in, whether it's voting with their wallet or voting at the ballot box or anything else. And I think it's about time, high time, that Americans do that because otherwise this, uh, those that push the woke agenda, and I don't think it's an entire half of the country that's pushing that agenda. I think it's you know the fringe on the left, but they, they seem to have been winning for a while or gaining a lot of hearts and minds and a lot of traction. And I think this definitely uh, put a, a stop to it. What type of impact do you think this has moving forward? Do you think it's a flash in the pan or do you think this is uh, one more step in the right direction? Well, you know, I'm kind of happy that Disney and all these other big companies have finally come out and shown us who they really are. Yeah. I'm kind of happy about that. You know, I'm not happy to see what they're, what they're doing or, you know, what they're trying to accomplish, but I'm happy to see the disclosure of it. Um, It's nice to now finally understand what I'm dealing with instead of it being hidden behind 15 or 20 layers and you think you see it, but you're not necessarily sure. And they're really covert. I mean, they've come right out in the open and it's just an all out assault. Uh, they're not hiding behind anything. They're coming straight at it. And I think that's actually a really good thing because now people can see what they're dealing with. So, you know, what does this lesson teach other big brands, uh, what Bud Light's going through? I don't know. Can they be taught? <laughs> that's a question. They seem to never learn. Mm. Uh, and that's that's not going to be our problem. That's going to be their problem. But you mentioned Yingling. You know, yeah. millions of Americans are finding it really difficult to stay loyal to brands that they've used their entire life. You know, saying I'm a Bud guy or I'm a Coors guy or I'm a Miller guy, that's kind of the same as saying I'm a Chevy guy, I'm a Ford guy, I'm a Dodge guy. Like it's part of your life. It's like you identify with that brand. I drive this, I drink that, you know. And so when their brands disappoint them, they go, well, now what am I going to drive or now what am I going to drink? And what they're doing is they're going out and finding other brands. Yingling is a great example. I can tell you Redneck Riviera Whiskey. We had to add more data to my website, like triple it, because of the amount of people coming to that website, searching their zip codes on my store locator. I'm in like 11,000 stores. So I'm not nice. huge, but I'm not small. I'm not small either. I'm, I'm out there. 
and people are finding it and they're starting to put their dollars uh, in other places. And that's, that's the free market, man. That's how it's supposed to work. Amen to that. Everybody, we're on with John Rich, country music superstar. You've seen him on The Celebrity Apprentice. He kicked butt on that program. John Rich, let everybody know, um, you know what you're up to, and in addition to your, your music and, and uh, the, the bar and everything else that you're doing, uh, what's, what's coming down the pipe for you? We left out the most important part, baseball, Little League baseball, baby. That's, that's right, that's being my a dad. favorite thing to do. That's it. That's, that's job number one. Uh, this summer, we've got a lot of big and rich shows booked. Uh, we're going to be all over the U.S. playing Big and Rich, Cowboy Troy, the whole Hee Haw gang out there nice. on the road. Uh, I've got a, I've got new music coming out in about six weeks. My next song is called I'm Offended, and it might be the funniest song I've ever written. It's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. And I think people need something to laugh at right now. There's not many funny things going on, so I'm going to bring bring a little humor and some fun, and uh, hopefully the summer can can be a good time for everybody. All right. Let everybody know how they could follow you and keep up to speed with everything that you're doing. Sure. You can follow me uh, on Twitter at John Rich. You can follow me at True Social at John Rich. Uh, RedneckRiviera.com has all of my products, all the stores, 10,000 plus stores. Now we support the Folds of Honor, which is another great thing. We've sent well over a million dollars back to them through Redneck Riviera. And, uh, you know, guys, just keep your chin up. I'm glad everybody's waking up and seeing what's going on. It's it's somewhat of a rough ride, but we stick together. We'll be all right. Outstanding. You're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. John Rich, thank you for being with us. I hope you'll come back soon. Yes, sir. Good to be on you, with you. Thanks. You bet. All right, folks, keep it locked right here. I am Rich Valdez. It's America at Night. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, um, your phone calls are welcome. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Now, listen to this headline. Bill Gates is funding millions to a non-government organization claiming that kids are born sexual and that 10-year-olds should learn about commercial sex work. This um, sexual education says uh, that they're promoting here that kids under 10 should learn as you grow up, you might be interested in people with diverse gender identities. Uh, I can barely get through this stuff. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation donates millions of dollars annually to a non-governmental organization which claims that children are born sexual and should learn about commercial sex work under the age of 10 years old. Wow. The International Planned Parenthood Federation, or IPPF, a separate entity from the U.S. nonprofit, has significant influence on global sex education. No kidding. This NGO comprises 120 independent organizations in 146 countries and has received, including their European network, over $80 million from Gates. Other significant donors include the World Health Organization 
and I'm pretty sure the other usual suspects as well. But those are the two that are listed in this article here on Fox News. So uh, isn't that interesting? Listen to this quote. Sexual activity may be part of a different type of relationship, including uh, dating, marriage, or commercial sex work, amongst others. That's the end of the quote. IPPF said about children under 10, and that should be taught, which was first flagged by Nicole Solis from the Independent Women's Forum. That children under 10 should uh, also be told, as you grow up, you might start to be interested in people with diverse gender identities, according to their toolkit. The IPPF suggested that in multiple instances, children are born sexual. Children under 10 should be taught that sexuality is a part of you from the moment you're born and your sexuality develops and changes throughout your life. Now, we've heard people talk about this, right? A few months ago, we had a, um, a minister in, in uh, I think it was a Protestant church that made a mention to something similar. You had a school principal uh, doing the same. You've heard uh, these, uh, whom I've referred to several times as sickos, right? These, these people like uh, um, Dr. Carlton uh, Gadjasek and the other one, uh, his mentor, uh, Dr. Alfred Kinsey. And those are just the two that I like, I like to pick on. I'm sure there's more weirdos like those guys that are out there saying that, you you know, people should be involved in intergenerational sex and, and that the promotion of gender fluidity should be introduced at younger and younger ages. Uh, I'm just thinking, at what age was it that they introduced heterosexual relationships to me? I don't think that ever happened in school. I took a health class in the 11th grade and they basically said, you know, there's a male reproductive system, a female reproductive system, and they taught you those different parts of the body, how they work, yada, yada, yada. That was it. I didn't need anybody to teach me that, you know, that that the, 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 the kid wearing eyeliner and painting his nails, you know, was always hanging out with the other dudes was, you know, a little different than I was. I figured that out all on my own. Like everybody who's come before us, right? But yet here we are with people uh, falling off the deep end here, you know, introducing on a global scale and spending 80 million bucks to tell people that, you know, you might like other people when you grow up. Something just seems a little off about that. Anyway, your calls on that and more straight ahead before we get into our uh, discussion on global affairs. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Let us go to Kalispell, Montana, K-O-F-I. Kim, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Thank you. Yeah, big sky country. (laughs) First of all, I don't drink Bud Light. It's like drinking Coors. So did they come up, did Anheuser-Busch come up with a transgender guy as um, advertising? Yeah, well, that was the controversy. They uh, they hired a, a influencer from the Internet, uh, kind of like a transgender uh, star, Dylan Mulvaney, 
and they put pictures of his face on cans of Bud Light, and he became the new face of Bud Light. And then they defended it, saying, no, we're looking for new customers. So their old customers took offense and said, you know, forget about you. We're going to go with other beers that support our traditional values. And uh, now they've lost 5 6 or $7 billion in market share. Well, good for them. Right. Gives new meaning to that saying, go woke, go broke. Right, Kim? Uh, yeah, I think so. And I'm a liberal Democrat. But that was really <laughs> right. a bad, that was really a bad advertising ploy. Yeah. So now they've gone back to the Clydesdale horses and waving the American flag and just trying to keep it kind of Americana so that they don't lose their customers. The Clydesdales. They're classy, classy horses. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate the call. Very nice to hear from you. Big shout out to everybody on KOFI. Now, straight ahead, I'm going to give you a couple of headlines, a little bit of the news of the day. And then we're going to jump into a conversation with uh, General Anthony Tata. He's uh, actually, I think he's up in the air. He's about to touch down soon. Don't go anywhere. It's me, Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Hour number two, Monday night, welcome back. And our telephone number, if you want to join this late-night National Town Hall Forum, feel free to do so, 833, the number four, and my last name, Valdez, 833-4-VALDEZ, is the phone number, 833-482-5337. And you can always call on the legacy line as well. And if you want to stream the show live, check it out at richvaldezamericaatnight.com. Now, I want to share with you a little bit of what's going on uh, across the globe, as well as what's going on in America at night. Uh, but we've got some some news with uh, respect to the recent kidnapping of a journalist in Russia. And the representative for NATO um, spoke out about that today, Thomas, uh, regarding uh, Thomas Greenfield. Listen to this. We note the widespread outcry from both Russia and international journalists in response to this recent arrest including an open letter signed by dozens of prominent independent media figures from Russia that calls the case against him preposterous and unjust. We urge Russian Federation authorities to release those they hold on political grounds and, the, and to end the draconian crackdown on freedom of expression, including against members of the media. So that was, again, uh, Linda Thomas-Greenfield, the, um, the U.S. representative to the U.N., and her um, comments on what's going on with the reporter Evan Gerskovich. 
uh, I think I said that right, who was recently kidnapped. And and there's a lot going on in Ukraine, and it seems that, you know, things are getting worse and worse. We're hearing more and more coming out of there with respect to the leaks that, that came out just last week. And I said, you know, we've got to figure out what's going on there. I also want to pick uh, somebody who knows what's going on. I want to pick their brain about what's going on uh, in other parts of the world because all of these things seem to, you know, when something goes south in one place, then somebody else becomes emboldened over there, and, and then they go over here, and the next thing you know, we've got a big mess. So I said, you know what, we've got to get with an expert. And uh, I want to introduce uh, Brigadier General uh, General Anthony Tata from the United States Army. He's retired. He was former Acting Undersecretary of Defense for Policy in the Department of Defense and Deputy Commander in Afghanistan. He's also the author of a novel, Total Empire. General Tata, welcome. Hey, Rich. Great to be with you. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I know you're coming in hot off a flight, and I appreciate you making it and staying <laughs> up late. Uh, live late yeah. night radio is a lot of fun as long as everybody's awake. Yeah, my pleasure. It's great to be with you. Yes, sir. So let's talk a little bit about... Um, the the situation in Ukraine and Russia, because, uh, you know, it, it was part of what was leaked last week that we found out was that, you know, there were there were reports saying that it wasn't very accurate that Ukraine is really beating the pants off of Russia and that some of that might have been propaganda. Uh, too much information for me. I said, let's go with the pro General Tata. What say you? Well, uh, you know, it's it's very obvious that uh, this administration has avoided using the diplomatic lever of national power uh, to engage Russia uh, to dissuade them during the buildup after the Afghanistan debacle, which gave Putin his window of opportunity, or even during the last year of war, there's been very little effort. Uh, and so it's not surprising to me that this administration is leading with the chin of the American soldier and that we have uh, special forces troops on the ground, uh, A-teams uh, do training for, um, you know, for foreign internal defense is what it's called. And, and they do this training. And, and there's about 100 NATO special ops training, if this briefing is to, to be believed, uh, training uh, Ukrainian forces in, in uh, Ukraine. And which, you know, there's there's uh, there's the balance between national security protecting their lives. And there's also the uh, veracity of this administration or lack thereof with uh, with respect to their uh, desire or, or drive to get us into a showdown with Russia and and their uh, lack of consultation, it appears, with Congress is very concerning. Uh, uh, particularly on the War Pairs Act, you know, the authorization of use of force that exists today uh, is only for counterterrorism. And I don't think mm. even even a, uh, you know, a, a, a lawyer uh, with, uh, you know, low, low standard of ethics could stretch this to be counterterrorism. This is a conventional war, and this um, involves um, – it should involve Congress and the War Powers Act if we're going to put U.S. boots on the ground in Ukraine. And so while I think it's important that we bolster NATO and that we reinforce NATO and that we do all the right information information messaging with respect to our alliance and our, our treaty obligations with NATO, uh, at the same time, Ukraine is not part of NATO and uh, 
the, the we do not have an obligation to have boots on the ground in, in Ukraine, particularly without informing the American people and talking to the elected representatives. Uh, this is not a dictatorship, and President Biden does not have the authority to unilaterally put U.S. boots on the ground in Ukraine. Now, of course, White House National Security uh, Council spokesman, uh, Admiral John Kirby, he told Fox News that the soldiers that are on the ground there, they're not fighting on the battlefield, that their, you know, their job is to help monitor the support that Washington is providing to Ukraine, though their presence obviously is not without risk. Um, you know, we've seen Russia routinely attack Kiev, and I'm thinking, what what actually happens if an American soldier gets killed accidentally on purpose? I don't know, whatever the scenario is, because they're there and they get hit. What happens when a Russian kills an American soldier? Yeah, so, I mean, that's that's the the uh, tinderbox that is created by having this unauthorized application of U.S. forces inside Ukraine. Um, and it's a policy decision uh, that uh, the president would have to make. Is that a red line uh, that uh, gets crossed? And if it's not, then what is the red line? If, if uh, um, you know, defending life and treasure um, in Ukraine is not um, you know, that red line. So uh, it's it's a catch-22 that the president creates uh, by this unauthorized application of force in Ukraine. So uh, to me, uh, this, this is something that Congress should be shouting from the rooftop right now, saying, let's have this conversation. If you want to put U.S. troops in uh, uh, Ukraine, you've got to come to us. And this, you know, Kirby, um, you know, if his lips are moving, he, he's not telling the truth. And, and, you know, he's the same guy who said that he didn't see any chaos in Afghanistan. So this this guy, right. this guy, um, you know, is a professional, um, you know, spin doctor. And by saying that they're monitoring supplies and, and weapons provided, uh, there are special forces A-team which includes snipers, um, uh, you know, the best communications gear to call in airstrikes. And that's how Putin looks at it. It doesn't matter how this administration, who's got the fair winds and fallen seas of the corporate media behind them, sees it. It's how does the enemy see it? And does the enemy, Putin and Russia, see this as an escalation? And I can guarantee you that he does. And so his policy guys are saying to him, the Americans are involved in this war. So what are the options we can do to take the fight to the Americans? And and it's an escalation of, of this conflict um, that's of, of some magnitude uh, in, in the American people. You know, there's this big cognitive dissonance right now between all the blue and yellow flags on everybody's Twitter profiles and uh, we've got a 60 percent uh, uh, goal or we're hitting 60 percent of our goal of recruiting for the military. So all these, you know, fake Twitter warriors are saying, yeah, let's let's <laughs> right. let's go to war in Ukraine and fight Russia. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not sending my son or daughter to to go fight this. I thought somebody else was going to do that. And so right now there's this huge disconnect in this country between what this president is committing us to and what the country 
is actually willing to commit to. And, and that gap could create a real issue for us going down, down the road very, in the very near term. Everybody, we're on with General Anthony Tata, uh, Brigadier General, United States Army, retired, former acting undersecretary of defense for policy in the Department of Defense and deputy commander in Afghanistan. He's also the author of a novel, Total Empire. Make sure you get two copies of that. Read one, give one to a friend. Uh, now, I want to, um, uh, I guess, shift gears um, quickly to what you think about the nuclear threat coming from Russia. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think that's part of the same conversation, Rich, is that, uh, you know, Putin, remember a year ago when he started this thing, uh, 14 months ago, he, he did a big nuclear drill. He exercised open in the silos. He moved some subs around. He moved some airplanes around. They've got the same triad that we do uh, with the ground-based uh, missiles, uh, airborne uh, you know, uh, airplanes that can drop nukes and subs that can launch nukes. So that same triad, he exercised that. And, and you know, the, you can exercise national power through diplomacy, information, military or economic means. He exercised a big information campaign, which the Russians are pretty good at, right? They're good at information, disinformation, misinformation. Sure. And, and same with Ukraine, same with our corporate media. Um, you know, the same... <laughs> You know, the, the corporate media here, you know, is 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 on par with the Russian, um, you know, state media um, and, and their ability to to uh, cover up influence and, and uh, persuade. So but anyway, Putin used his his information means to signal that he was exercising all of these nuclear options to keep us on our heels. And if you remember, initially, the this administration got 100 percent wrong the wrong instinct on this war they offered putin or uh, they offered Zelensky a ride out mm -hmm. if you recall now the night before the, the war blanken offers Zelensky a ride out and he famously said i don't need a ride i need ammo and so uh, just think about that rich for a second if 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 trump had done that he would be impeached again for offering to the Russians to decapitate the Ukrainian command and control apparatus <laughs> right. the night before the Russian invasion, and he wanted to take them out. But because our, our media is as corrupt as it is, uh, they, there's no critical analysis of that really bad decision-making. And how wrong did our intelligence have to be that uh, – Every blue check general that's you know in line with the corporate media was saying that this this was going to be you know an overnight uh, seventy two hour and you know everybody's going to be speaking Russian. Yeah, here we Ukraine. are, and 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 I was one of the few on Fox and Newsmax saying uh, this is we're going to be talking about this a year from now. The Russian soldiers not ten feet tall. I, I have a. Uh, I commanded Ukrainian soldiers in Kosovo. Uh, they're very technically competent. And I have a West Point classmate, uh, Mark Pazlowski, um, that uh, went to uh, Ukraine, uh, left Wall Street, and went to Ukraine to join the army and fight in 2014 and was killed on the Russian front. Oh, man. Uh, and, yeah. And, and so I know that they're passionate, and I know that they're technically competent. And so how wrong was Biden in his administration to offer Zelensky a ride out and offer to decapitate the command and control apparatus of the Ukrainian uh, government 
on the eve of the Russian invasion. I mean, mm-hmm. think about that in that context. That's staggering, uh, and and it gets no gets no analysis from the media. Well, I'm glad you're here doing that. Folks, General Anthony Teta is with us. We're going to continue with him. Plus, I want you to weigh in on China's role in all of this and China's role with an undercover police department in New York City. Anyway, there's more to come straight ahead with General Teta and me, Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. With Rich Valdez. The two complaints charge more than 30 officers with China's National Police Force, which is called the Ministry of Public Security, or the NPS, and two New York City residents with violations of U.S. law. And as shown in these complaints, the NPS has repeatedly and flagrantly violated our nation's sovereignty, including by opening and operating a police station in the middle of New York City. All right, that is the uh, United States Attorney. Name, please. Brian. Okay, I, I don't have the rest of it. I can pull it up. But uh, giving his statement on the two individuals that were arrested in New York City today for operating an illegal police station in New York City on behalf of the Chinese government. Brian Peace, excuse me. So uh, General Anthony Tata is our guest. He is the author of the book, Total Empire. It's a novel. I recommend getting two copies. He's a retired Brigadier General in the United States Army and former Acting Undersecretary of Defense for Policy at the DOD and Deputy Commander in Afghanistan. General Tata, welcome back. What do you think about this? Hey, Rich. Well, Total Empire is all about uh, China's uh, ascendant drive toward Total Empire. And so what could be more um, ascendant toward global mm-hmm. hegemony than than establishing police stations all across the world and, and different countries to monitor your citizens um, and to do so brazenly, as they're doing in New York City and elsewhere around the, around the world? Uh, now, you know, China claims that, oh, this is a response to COVID and had a lot of Chinese nationals that couldn't, you know, get home. We needed, you know, they're, they're calling them kind of many consulates. And so for the Chinese citizens to, to, uh, (laughs) you know, to go to and get administrative, you know, paperwork done, but um, it's, it's a very um, brazen strategy and China continues to push the envelope in every dimension uh, of national power and and here's a you know a, a diplomatic trojan horse that uh has some uh police operating out of it uh, there's no question that it's nefarious and that uh it has ill intentions um and, but you know I, I i i go back to this this administration and uh, if you recall you know the trump administration we were constantly putting the pressure on china uh, whether yeah. it was through economic means, through through uh, countering their technology, shutting down uh, things they were trying to do, and under this administration, it, it's it's like you know Russia does what it wants to do, China does what it wants to do, and they're starting to do it together 
with uh, Xi and Putin meeting a few weeks ago. Yeah. And, and, and think about that, Rich. And now you, what you've got potentially is Russia pushing on, on Ukraine and, and NATO with China, uh, that raging economy in China backing it. That's- yep. We'll leave it right there. General, the music means they're kicking both of us out. But I thank you, sir. You're a gentleman, scunner, and a patriot. General Anthony Tata, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Rich. Great to be with you. You bet. we got to do it again soon. Lots more to discuss. Get a copy of his book, Total Empire. More to come straight ahead. It's Valdez, and we're coming right back. So according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, it seems that we've got universities urging students to report one another for bias. And, uh, you know, it it seems reminiscent of uh, East Germany. Uh, It's an opinion commentary here in the Wall Street Journal. DEI meets East Germany. U.S. universities urge students to report one another for bias. And uh, anonymous informers have always been a hallmark of totalitarian regimes, according to the article here. Friends, neighbors, even family members are encouraged to inform on those who speak against the regime. This is effective social control. Nowhere is safe to discuss politics and everyday life is subdued. And, you know, it goes on to talk about how Cubans are still, you know, held to this standard where they live and whispering and afraid of what they call chivatos and whatnot. And it it just um, it, it obviously gives, you know, gives one pause over, you know, what is going on in higher education today. So to get to the bottom of it, we've uh, brought in an expert. Professor John Ellis is with us. And he um, he's got this unique look on this because he's literally written the book on it. And I want to encourage you to get a copy of his book. Let's see right here. The Breakdown of Higher Education, How It Happened, The Damage It Does, and What Can Be Done. Professor Ellis, welcome. Well, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So, uh, Let's talk about this. How do you uh, initially react to this article in the Wall Street Journal, this idea that universities are encouraging their students to rat on one another? Well, first of all, I wrote that article. <laughs> so I, I, I believe every word of it. No, and obviously we think of universities as places where there's a free exchange of ideas, right? And pe- people are always encouraged to speak their minds and uh, help help each other discuss issues, refine issues, get to the bottom of, of, of uh, whatever subject is being discussed. You don't think of a university as a place where people are looking over their shoulder to see if someone they're going to upset somebody who's going to rat on them. Um, that that damps down the free flow of ideas. So th- these two things are completely incompatible. I mean, one one belongs to a police state. Uh, where there's a dictatorship that wants to keep the population in line to make sure that no one can ever say anything against the regime, because if they do, they'll be heard and they'll be ratted on by, by their neighbors or friends or even their family. Uh, that's a completely different world. The world of the university campus should be open 
free free speech, free exchange of ideas, unafraid. And now the fact that you do have this regime, this totalitarian kind of attitude, uh, where there's, uh, you know, it's obviously a device for keeping, making sure there's one attitude and one attitude only, anything else is going to be shut down. Now, the fact that universities of all places have, have adopted this scheme, over half of them have it in place, uh, that tells you something about the mess that our educational system is in. And what it tells you is that radical, left political radicals have seized control of the campuses. They, they, they are now completely in control, and they run things their way, and um, they won't brook any kind of dissent. So they now have this scheme in place. And it's not just that they encourage students to rat on each other. They actually provide a form, an official form, that the kids can easily get their hands on. And then, the, the, you know, multi, several pages of details. And uh, you know, the students got to note down who else was there, who, what was said, who said it, and so on. But they can do it anonymously, so they don't have to take any responsibility for what they say. Well, the, the problem with anonymous reporting is that um, uh, basically uh, decent people don't do it. I mean, you, you and I wouldn't do it uh, because it's cowardly. Uh, to go after people and not even not even give your name. Uh, so what it really means is that only the worst kind of people will do this kind of stuff. Cowardly people who have grudges against other people, who want to get back at other people, who resent other people. Uh, it's a it's a terrible system. All right. And yes, I'm looking at the uh, opinion piece here in the Wall Street Journal. It says it's by Ivan Marinovic. And John Ellis. I had only saw the first name, so forgive me there. Folks, our guest is uh, Professor John Ellis, and we're discussing uh, this article he co-authored as well as his book, which I encourage you to take a look at, The Breakdown of Higher Education, How It Happened, The Damage It Does, and What Can Be Done. We're going to continue with Professor Ellis straight ahead. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. John M. Ellis is a distinguished professor emeritus of German literature at the University of California, Santa Cruz. He's the author of The Breakdown of Higher Education, How It Happened, The Damage It Does, and What Can Be Done. Uh, I'd like to, the, the damage it does is very evident, but I'd like to discuss how this started and proposed solution, Professor. Well, it started because uh, it was about 50 years ago, actually, um, a group of about 200 young students and graduate students met together. They were Marxists. I mean, no bones about it. They were socialists and Marxists. And they, they got together and they were very depressed about the fact that they would never succeed at the ballot box. They knew none of them would ever get elected. 
And so they decided that uh, what they would do is try to take control of the universities because even though they couldn't win at the ballot box, they could take over the universities, they thought. And from, from a vantage point of controlling the universities, they could control our society. Now, in 1962, I was, I was already teaching uh, on a university campus. Well, I heard this. Did we lose the professor? All right. Well, it was a very fuzzy connection anyway. Uh, the bottom line, uh, and where I, I see the professor going with this, is that th- there's been a takeover of higher education uh, in many ways by those that are that espouse Marxism, those that, that believe in this approach, and that they're looking for this global hegemony, uh, hegemony, excuse me, and they, they don't, they don't appreciate what's, what once existed, right? Um, and by that, I mean heterodoxy, this ideological heterodoxy where people have different and diverse opinions, where people are able to, to have a free discussion, which is what I try to do here as, as much as I can. We, of course, have the constraints of the FCC regulations. We have the constraints of um, time-limited segments on the air and, and other constraints. But for the most part, I try to give an open forum. We have a free, toll-free number where people can call in and, and make their claim. And again, if you'd like to join this late-night national town hall forum on this topic of the breakdown of higher education and students ratting on one another and how universities are encouraging that or any of the other topics that we've discussed tonight, give us a call. I'd love to get your opinions on the uh, Chinese uh, police department in New York City on the weaponization of our governmental systems and agencies like the district attorney's office in New York City and how they've turned a blind eye. We talked about that at the beginning of, uh, of the program tonight in hour number one. We also talked about John Rich and his reaction to uh, Bud Light and how it's been selling at his bar. So uh, th- there's clearly a cultural shift uh, and you know, in politics, they say grassroots, and in politics, they also say astroturf. And I feel like a lot of these cultural shifts are really astroturf shifts, where they don't have the grassroots that they need to really get into the ground. They're not that deep. They're they're pretty shallow. And, and we can see that by this Dylan Mulvaney thing. And and people saying, oh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna revolt against Bud Light and seeing all the money they lose. The same way with universities, but it's it hasn't been as quick. I think there's, I think that boycott's already existing, if you will, right? So you figure you got about twenty five percent of the United States population that attends and completes, uh, or twenty two percent, something like that, that attends and completes um, university level education, baccalaureate level education. So when you have a number like that, and the other side of that number is, you know, 78% or 75% of Americans do not pursue higher education at the baccalaureate level. And to me, that in and of itself is a boycott. And it's why the cost of higher education goes up so significantly every single year, because most Americans aren't buying this stuff. Just like right now, most Americans aren't buying Bud Light. So I think that boycott's been going on for a long time. And what we do is we vocalize the minority and uh, make it seem like, you know, everybody everywhere has a degree. But isn't it interesting how 
most Americans don't. Most Americans didn't go to college. And we're talking about the tune of three quarters of the country. So it's interesting to me to see how that is going to change because I believe we're reaching what they call the point of diminishing returns where people are saying, wow, I'm going to spend forty-eight, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year on, on tuition. And that's, I don't know, a quarter million dollars, a half a million dollars when I'm done with school. And will I actually be able to make that back? Will there actually be a return on that investment or not? And I think when you have this encouragement from people saying, you know what, we've got to um, to figure out how we um, how we actually have a dissenting opinion on something because I can't dissent publicly because somebody will be an informant, a rat, you know, uh, uh, the bias police, and they'll come after me. And, and this clearly isn't what's healthy on a university campus. So what we once had was a very robust system of higher education in the United States, and what we have now is, I think, a very biased one. Anyway, your calls and more straight ahead on that topic and more. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And uh, let's go to the phones. Bloomington, Illinois, W-H-O-W. Becky, welcome. Welcome. I leave another program just so I can listen to you. Can you believe that one? Uh, That's very kind of you. Thank you, Becky. I appreciate it. I love the show. I never miss it. Anyway, what I called to say was, with all the stuff that's going on in this country right now, I have a 10-year-old great-granddaughter and two little great-grandchildren. One is not even three months old, and the other one is going to be two. And I am absolutely terrified of what's going to happen within the next 10 years because by that time I'll be dead and I'll be gone because I'm not young, I'm old. You know, and these kids have got to grow up in this mess. And with the president that we got... It is a sin that he's in office, and I pray to God all the time that he brings help to us in this country. Does that Amen sense? to that. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you. Listen, uh, you say you're old. You sound like uh, like a young woman, a very lovely woman, but uh, I'm, I'm a pretty young guy. I'll be 45 next month. Cinco de Mayo, by the way, is my birthday. And uh, I can tell you that um, with my two girls, one's about to be 18 this year. The other one's about to be 22 over the summer. And I can tell you, I fear for them as well. It's it's not the same uh, America that it was when I was growing up. I think they have less opportunity than I did. And I totally can commiserate with you on this one, whether it's the issues in higher education, whether it's the fact that we have foreign governments operating in our country, whether it's the uh, the way they're trying to change the culture by kind of forcing it on people. It, it's... Um, 
it's a scary time. It's a scary time, an alarming time. It gives you know, it gives you pause and a cause for concern. But Becky, it's because while we're alive and kicking, we've got to fight, right? We've got to give them everything we've got to hold on to what we believe in. And I think that's what it is that people like you do. It's what people like me do. It's it's what we do collectively to help our family. Isn't that right? Yes, it is. And I try to tell my grandchildren this, and they think that I'm goofy because I listen to the radio. You see, and by the way, I'm pushing 80. I'm not yeah, younger. I wish I, wish I was, sound but terrific. I'm not. But anyhow, well, I'm scared. I really, I've never been scared before in my life, but I am now. I am scared of what's coming down the road, and we, you know, we're not there to stop it. And people in the United States have got to learn to band together to fight this and get them out of here. That Chinese police station for another thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's it, it's a it's a tumultuous time. And that that's pretty scary. Now, let me a- la- ask you this one: What's your thought on uh, on the foreign policy stuff we talked about? Because we had a, a discussion on um, on China, you know, kind of being emboldened with uh, with along with Russia, and these. Now we know there may be or that there are U.S. troops on the ground in in Ukraine, even though you know the administration says they're not part of the actual conflict. Uh, but w- what type of danger do you think that poses? Because I feel like it puts us at risk of, you know, of like an all-out war between us and them. What say you? I keep trying to tell my grandkids and my kids, but they won't listen to me. We are on the verge of World War Three, and nobody wants to pay attention to it, but they don't listen to nothing. That's the problem. If they would listen and pay attention to what's going on, they would be thinking the same thing. And that war is going to start right here, and it's going to be China and Russia with their nuclear. Well, Wait I, see, I, hope, I hope. To- yeah, I hope that's not the case. I hope you're wrong, but there's definitely potential for it, Becky. Well, I do want to thank you for your kind words about the show. I appreciate you listening. I wish you Godspeed with your family and with um, with your grandkids. And uh, I want to encourage you to call back anytime because. We love Bloomington, Illinois, and WHOW, Becky. Rich, by the way, the radio station I'm listening to comes out of Clinton, Illinois. Oh, okay, great. Well, big shout-out to them, too, everybody in Clinton. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Anyway, that's Becky in Bloomington, or Clinton, if we will. Anyway, straight ahead, we're going to get into our open phone America, where we get to hear your commentary on what's going on and everything that's going on in America at night, everything that we talked about tonight, and any topic, quite frankly, 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number, 833, the number four, and my last name. You can also chime in online at Rich Valdez with an S at the end on all of the social media sites. And you could listen to the show. Let's say you're on the road or you want to share it with a friend or anything like that. Go to com where you can listen to the show, stream it, listen to old episodes. You could even click the podcast link and subscribe to the podcast. Absolutely free. You get notifications whenever there's a brand new episode and you could listen to it anytime you want on demand. So that's that one. I also wanted to... Uh, Give a big shout out to my, my daughter, uh, my big girl Jade. Jada is her full name. Jada was um, she is a fashion designer and she um, is in her like third 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 going on fourth year 
uh, of college and uh, studying fashion design and presented a a uh, recycled denim patchwork outfit that was inspired by her Taekwondo gi, the uniform for Taekwondo. And it was a really interesting piece. And it, it was uh, on the um, runway show called Fashion Speaks at Liberty University this weekend. So a big shout out to everybody there and to her in particular for doing a great job putting that together. So Daddy Loves You, Jade. Very proud of you. Anyway, we're going to continue our conversations with you all in America, across the country. Doesn't matter where. Just give us a call. 833-4-VALDEZ. 833-4-VALDEZ. I am Rich Valdez, and America at Night continues right after this. city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And the House uh, Judiciary Committee held a field hearing in New York City today. And this was a interesting time because, you know, we had the, um, the mom of a slain veteran, Af- Afghan war uh, veteran, that g- gave her two cents on lots of things. And uh, really called them out, called them out to the carpet. You had the uh, the bodega owner who uh, was about to be killed and defended himself with a knife he had behind the counter when he was uh, being threatened for his life. And, and then after defending himself in his own place of business, when the guy had come around the counter to hurt him and the lady had a gun as well, um, he got charged with second-degree murder and uh, the lady was let go. <laughs> it just amazes me how how things happen. Of course, we've had a conversation as well with uh, General Anthony Tata. We talked to John Rich, country music superstar, about the ongoing Bud Light fiasco and how people are continuing to maintain their boycott despite calls from uh, folks like Donald Trump Jr. saying, look, we're, we're not here to boycott anything. Uh, it didn't matter. I don't think anybody really... Um, People have taken offense to what they said and uh, what they said and what they did by contracting with Dylan Mulvaney, the um, trans superstar that's on TikTok and all the other social media. And, of course, um, we had our discussions on international affairs, General Anthony Tata, and, of course, with Professor Ellis, um, whose um, call wasn't uh, very successful. I don't know what happened there, but a very good conversation while it lasted. So on wokeism on college campuses and, you know, what is going on in America today. So we're going to do, we're going to discuss those topics as well as anything you want to bring to the table. Uh, the telephone number is 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Now, Pete Buttigieg, he um, is the Secretary of Transportation. 
He's never met anything that wasn't racist, right? Back in the days, they said you were a, a McCarthyite and you suffered from McCarthyism. If if you uh, believed in the Red Scare and you didn't, there wasn't a Bush where there wasn't a communist hiding behind it, right? And this is Pete Buttigieg with racism and inequality. I mean, it doesn't matter what he's talking about. He somehow manages to make it about race and inequality. Listen to this. We've got a crisis when it comes to roadway fatalities in America. We lose about 40,000 people every year. It's a level that's comparable to gun violence. And we see a lot of racial disparities, black and brown Americans, tribal citizens and rural residents much more likely to lose their lives, whether it's in a car or as a pedestrian being hit by a car. There are a lot of reasons uh, related to discrimination, related to uh, even the ways that roads are designed and built. Who has access to uh, a safe street design that's got crosswalks and good lighting? Who doesn't have that access? That can drive disparities. And we have a, a responsibility to act on that. So there you go. If you live in a rural part of the country, if you are in a rural area, well, then you and the black folks, the brown folks, uh, we're all at a disadvantage because we may not have crosswalks. Apparently, um, you know, I have to check my neighborhood out again. I thought I had crosswalks, but just in case, you know, um, you may not have them. I I don't know. Listen, sometimes I hear these clips and I think, ah, that's just a stretch. But this, I mean, this is just beyond the pale, right? Buttigieg is out of his um, out of his league, number one, and number two, out of his mind. Uh, if he thinks that that traffic fatalities are racist, they're not, and that's crazy. He starts the sentence talking about forty thousand people a year dying in fatalities, and ends it on we have a responsibility to act on disparities because safe street designs and crosswalks and good lighting are what really matters here. And I'm not saying that those things don't matter, but I am saying, come on, really, (laughs) really, you know, because you live in a rural area or because of the color of your skin, voila, we're going to have these disparities. Listen, I'm not buying it. If you want to change my mind, go right ahead. 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to the phones. We have a lot of people waiting uh, online to get in. We've got calls from Georgia. We've got calls from New Hampshire, South Carolina, Massachusetts, Michigan, Oregon, and so many more. Uh, Let us, let's see, where do we go? Let's see who's been on hold the longest here. Um, Let's go to, who is that? Michael in Pendleton, Oregon, KUMA. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich. Uh, Great talking to you again. Great show. Thank Um, you, sir. And uh, yes, yes, I thought I'd call in a little bit earlier. I kind of got in the tail end on Friday, and so <laughs> didn't give you guys enough time. Getting in so, early, Michael, is a great idea. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I enjoy your show so much, Rich. Uh, you are my favorite show. I Thank got a you. couple others. Uh, one I had mentioned before, Billy Cunningham, was great. Oh, the great favorite. American Bill Cunningham? I love Billy Cunningham. <laughs> I know Billy. Uh, I've worked he, with him several times when I was a producer on the Mark Levin show, and and we actually both of us rotated as guest host when Mark was absent. And uh, I can tell you, I I love listening to Bill Cunningham. He used to have a TV show in New York, by the way. Uh, yes, another, and like I said, uh, I have a heart for New York City. With my mom being from there, I have uh, many relatives there. I, I I still love the city. It's it's very sad to see, you know the situation there now uh and 
coming in as a visitor, I realize you have to be careful. But my cousins uh, would meet me at the airport. They would be with me all the time and keep me out of bad areas and stuff. And, you know, um, give me Mm -hmm. a bit of a tour, you know, to the places I could see. My dad, when he visited there, um, when he was going out with my mom, um, they visited the Empire State Building, Statue of Liberty. Uh, He saw... Yankee games, the Yankee Stadium. and well, There's so uh, much know, to see them. and do. I don't want to cut you off, but we're going to run out of time. Talk to me about Ukraine. Oh, yes, yes. I'm sorry about that, Rich. Um, yeah, um, my girlfriend is in Ukraine. We met about three years ago before the war started. And I've been very concerned. I, you had a wonderful guest with General Tata, and, and you yes. have outstanding guests. Um, and so, you know, and I don't wish any harm to the Russian people or Ukrainian people. I want to see a peaceful settlement there as soon as that's possible. But, of course, I'm very concerned for my girlfriend, um, her safety. What I'm hoping to do is go over and visit her, Rich, uh, by the end of the summer um, or maybe early fall. I'm saving up as much money as I can between now and then. And we would um, meet in Warsaw in Poland she can come over and visit me there. Um, but, you know, I'm very concerned about her safety and then about the very serious leak uh, of our country's information. Mm-hmm. And if this is accurate, you know, about us having advisors over there, like you said, Rich, uh, how does Putin look at that? Right, exactly. And, you know, Michael, th- that's that's ultimately um, what it all boils down to for me is how is Putin seeing these things? Obviously, he sees it all as weakness and he's responding to it. You can see so many uh, global leaders stepping in and saying, oh, you know, if you're going to take a back seat to this, well, then we're going to we're going to make a move. And and this is I mean, this is the reality of life in everything. If you know, there's an old saying in Spanish. My dad always used to tell me and, and he used to tell me, el que no cuida su tienda. Se lo atienda otra, right? So somebody else will attend to your your bodega, your shop, if you don't take care of it. And that holds true with your wife, with your kids, with, with your country, with everything. You've got to show them that you're on top of your game. And Biden doesn't do that. You know, so you were talking about your girlfriend in Ukraine and your concern for her being there. Now, if you weren't showing that concern, guess what? She's going to say, well, why is Michael not concerned about my safety? And and this is a problem, right? And giving somebody else an opportunity to say, hey, you know, if your boyfriend doesn't care, I'll care. But th- th- this is why we have to do our job. This is why you got to go there and visit her. This is why Biden has to step up his game. This is why we have to do what we have to do as Americans, because without that, we're, we're messed up. Anyway, I thank you for the call, Michael. And um, Ukraine, beautiful women in Ukraine and all of over Eastern Europe, actually. I used to have a girlfriend from Kazakhstan for a little while. And um, beautiful women, beautiful part of the world as well. Anyway, I appreciate the call from Pendleton, Oregon, K-U-M-A. Michael, always a pleasure to speak with you, and thanks for your kind words. More from you all, uh, all across America. 833-4-VALDES is the number. We'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
He's breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. So Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation, or the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, right? I guess, is it still the same Bill and Melinda Gates being that they got divorced? I don't know. Anyway, the Gates uh, folks are funding millions of dollars, I think about $80 million, to a non-governmental organization, a nonprofit, claiming that kids uh, are born as sexual beings, uh, saying that 10-year-olds should learn about commercial sex work. I mean, this is just obscene to me. And of course, you know, whenever I, I read articles like this, most people agree. They're like, yeah, that's absolutely obscene. But there's always that one person that'll call and say something like, well, you know, and my question to them will always be, do you have children? And they'll go, oh, no, but I'm an aunt or I'm an uncle or I, I've met a child. It's really not the same. <laughs> it's really not the same uh, until you've actually nurtured and, and been a parent to a small child and think, uh, you know, it, it becomes so innate to you that you look out for other people's children. You know, and you just uh, you, you develop this instinct as a parent and hearing that there's a a, you know, an evil scientist here, a mad scientist, Bill, Bill Gates, Mr. You know, Microsoft himself that decides that the vaccines are how you can control uh, population and everything else. The, the these crazy ideas that, you know, that they come up with. Um, here's another crazy idea that the International Planned Parenthood Federation, the IPPF, they feel that according to their toolkit, that sexual activity may be part of a different type of relationship, including um, relationships like dating, marriage, or commercial sex work, amongst others. That's a quote. The IPPF says that children under 10 years old should be taught, uh, which is problematic in my opinion, but that they should be told as you grow up, you might start to be interested in people with diverse gender identities. And to me, I think... At no point did either of my parents, at no point did any of my teachers ever pull me to the side and say, hey, listen, at some point in your developmental process as you grow up, you might be attracted to the opposite sex. And you know why nobody ever told me? Because this isn't a conversation that teachers or, you know, curriculum designers or whatever need to, to have. It's just, it's not, right? This is not something that's necessary. Uh, because I think everybody knows that that's a reality. You just look around, you see life, and you realize that there are people that live life differently than you, that act differently than you, behave differently than you. You know, maybe you go into a bar and you go, wow, there's no women in here. This is different than the bar I go to, right? That You notice these differences, and they may be subtle, and may, depending on the part of town you're in, you, they may be uh, less subtle. But my point is, who needs all that to be pointed out? And why are we promoting commercial sex work to kids under the age of 10? I don't know. Let me know if you have a clue on this one, uh, because uh, I'm lost on that one. 833-482-5337. Let's go to Michigan, KDKA online. Uh, check in with Kim. Hey, Kim, you're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hi, Rich. Thank you. Um, yeah, this Bill Gates stuff about letting little kids under 10 uh, be encouraged to understand that there are sex workers out there. Um, I think the ones on the other side, I think they're just pushing the envelope and pushing it and pushing it uh, because they know there's a limited amount of time. And I think when, uh, I'll give you an example. I just heard on one of my shows today that, 
uh, Biden and his um, nut job administration are planning on giving Medicaid to at least 5 million illegals that they've let come across the border in the last sure. two years. Medi- Medicaid. And now they're, and they're talking, I just got Medicare about six months ago. I qualified for 65 and stuff. Congratulations. And, um, now they're saying, thank you. I didn't have insurance before that. Um, <clears throat> they're saying Medicare is going to go broke in a couple of years. And they're saying that Social Security in about eight or 10 years, they'll have to cut the benefits by 25 percent. I, I think that when people that haven't been bothered by a lot of this nutty whack job, wackadoodle, bizarro world stuff, Mm-hmm. I think when it starts, when the, it affects them on the side that their bread is buttered on and they, they notice, oh, my Social Security check this month is 25% less. Oh, Medicare is going to shut down, you know, in, in a year. They're saying that it, when these people that haven't been bothered by a lot of this um, and, that, you know, and another thing. Yeah, when it bites mother, them in the butt. That's when they realize it. Now, I just wanted to circle back quickly. You mentioned something about Bill Gates. What was your bottom line on that one? I think he, he's a nut job on the other side, just like a, a lot of them. You know, um, they they're out in some wacko world, you know, and I mean, kids at 10 are still thinking they're Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny, I think. I don't have kids, but and he wants them to learn about sex jobs. Sex worker jobs? Yeah, it's absolutely insane, in my opinion, Kim. Uh, I don't understand where it's coming from or why, but it's a big threat to America, in my opinion. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate it. Let's go to Joel in Hingham, Massachusetts, WLAD. Joel, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Uh, Good evening, Rich. How are you doing? Wonderful. Thank you. Two points I'd like to make. First of all, the greatest threat to America is Donald Trump. Why would you say that? Uh, Do you remember people saying, hang Mike Pence? I I remember that. Do you know why? But it wasn't Trump that that said it. Uh, No. Why were they saying, hang Mike Pence? Because they wanted to hang Mike Pence. Why? That's their prerogative. No. They're saying hang Mike Pence because he he went against Trump. And right, that, what does that have to do with Trump? Office. He didn't do what Trump wanted him to do, which was over. But that has nothing election. to do with Trump. That has to do with these psychotic, crazy people. What? Just because those people chose to do something stupid doesn't mean that that's Trump's fault. I didn't say it was Trump's fault. You just said he was the biggest threat to America, and you still haven't backed it up. I just did. Is it not true that Trump wanted Pence to overturn the election results? It's true that Trump told Pence to reject states that were in dispute during the electoral count. I don't see how that equates to a threat to America, Joel. No, that's not right. I know it's not what you're saying, but that's exactly what happened. Anyway, the music means we've got to go. Next time, try to get straight to the point. More to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. Give me a call. 833-482-5337. We'll be right back.
best head of hair in live late night radio six years in a row. It's Rich Valdez. So in Nashville, Tennessee, there was a National Guard member arrested for applying to work as a hitman on a fake website, (laughs) Uh, like a murder for hire service type of website. And uh, the website is called rentahitman.com. It was originally created in 2005 to advertise a cybersecurity startup company, but the company never took off. And the next decade, they reportedly received many inquiries about murder for hire services. According to a criminal complaint filed in the U.S. District Court, uh, Josiah Ernesto Garcia, 21 years old of Hermitage, is believed to have submitted an inquiry to the website on February 16th, where he indicated that he was interested in working as a hired killer. The website's administrator uh, converted the website to a parody site that contains false testimonials from those who have claimed to use the Hitman services. And uh, there's an intake form where people can actually apply. And, you know, one of the funny things it says is, I caught my husband cheating with the babysitter and our relationship was terminated. After a free public relations consultation, I'm single again and I'm looking to mingle. Thanks, Guido and the guys at Rent-A-Hitman. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that's uh, according to this article here uh, on WKRN News. So that's what's going on with that National Guard member. Uh, and uh, I want to get to your calls on that and everything else we're talking about. 866-482-5337-83, excuse me, 833-482-5337 or 833-4-VALDES. Let's go to uh, Jonathan in Valdosta, Georgia, listening on WVGA out of Tallahassee. Jonathan, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Go um, right ahead. Uh, I'm just uh, was thinking about a previous call, a couple previous calls, and you, I believe you asked the older lady uh, if we had what it ta- or it, what she thought about World War Three, and um, and uh, I'm like, well, and then uh, the previous call just before this one, and he was talking about Trump and. I'm like, well, uh, we need Trump, really. I, I believe we we do need Trump because mm-hmm. if we try to go into World War Three with uh, <clears throat> Joe Biden, yeah, we might have a strong military, but your military is only as good as your leader. So, um, yeah, my, my and you know, and the military Trump. is strong. But I read an article recently where, um, and we discussed this on the air, where the Air Force is right now loosening their applicants' body fat requirements in order to increase recruitment. And if we're going to lose, uh, you know, members of the National Guard because they're signing up to be uh, hired hitmen, uh, we're going to be in pretty bad shape, Jonathan. Yeah, that's uh, – I actually watched the video on – I don't know how accurate the infographic show is, but I watched the video where they were saying that uh, not very many younger people are enlisting. And then I've got to thinking about the, the draft and stuff because when we're 18, uh, apparently, and I, we're supposed as young men have to at 18 uh, sign up for the draft. I'm like, well, uh, what 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 happens then when we do get into World War Three if they if they have to do that? Yeah, well, you know, I think it it raises uh, you you've raised a very interesting question there. Uh, a about the military age and B uh, about what happens with World War Three. I think this idea or the concept of World War Three uh, is uh, is a interesting one because I don't think World War Three is ever going to look like what we all imagine it to. I do believe that there is a new and more uh, less conventional way 
uh, in a more modern way to conduct warfare. And I think we're seeing it. I think China and our guests, uh, various of our guests have have pointed this out in the last uh, few days, last week and, and even earlier today, that there there's already a very unconventional attack on our country, both on the culture, on the fabric, on the things that make any country strong, uh, their 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 press, a free press, uh, the, the family unit, um, you know, and that national pride, national unity. All of those things have come under attack and and they're all suffering and they're all being thinned out in the United States. And uh, you compare that with the uh, it seems like an unending attack on our currency and well, voila, you've got a recipe for for a very, very bad situation, Jonathan. Thank you for the call in Valdosta, Georgia, WVGA out of Tallahassee. Excuse me. Um, let us continue to Steve in Myrtle Beach, California, WRNN. Steve, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. How are you doing, Rich? Super. What's up, my man? All right. I love your program. I love your, you're, you're doing an awesome job. Oh, well, thank you. That's very kind I of you. I appreciate speak. that. Uh, you're very welcome. Um, look, I think we're going the wrong way here with the uh, recruiting problem. Over 50,000 mm-hmm. down. I mean, come on, man. Raise the age limit to the patriots that we once were in this uh-huh. country. Raise the age limit to 60, 65. These men, me, I personally served eight years. I would, I'm 53. I would go back in a minute. If they raise the age to 55, I would be down at the recruiting office tomorrow. And well, you, you know what, Steve? I think you might get a call pretty soon. Uh, I'll tell you a story. You know, I was a police chaplain in uh, for the city of Newark Police Department a long time ago. And, and uh, at, for a while, I was uh, considering doing that uh more longer term several years ago and and i had uh inquired about chaplaincy in the united states air force and spoke with a recruiter and whatnot and it, it's interesting i just got a call on four or five days ago them saying hey you're still interested and i was like i'm way past your limit <laughs> you know this was years ago uh, but they're going through old records old inquiries old whatevers um looking at people that you know are clearly older and um and I just thought that was interesting. If they're calling me, trust me, I think they're going to be calling you soon as well. So uh, whether it's a draft or a raising of the age limit, I think you might actually see that happen, Steve. Well, uh, it's not that I, I mean, I have to go back. I have to do it for my country. And there's a lot of my friends and family mm-hmm. that are more than, capable and willing to go back and we're already seasoned we've already been war seasoned well i want to thank you for your for being seasoned right and for for being ready in season and out of season and for being a patriot thank you for your service steve if you're welcome if you want my bottom line is if you want a real military hire real men (laughs) well said nobody could have said that better thank you steve in myrtle beach south carolina wrnn uh, let us continue here. Uh, where are we going here? Let's see who else has been on hold for quite a while. Let's go to David in Jaffrey, New Hampshire, WTPL. David, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich. Can you hear me now? You sound terrific. Oh, I do. Okay. I'm just, I'm in my car 
Um, anyhow, what's on your mind? I just would like to comment on that lady, um, Kim. Yeah, go right ahead. She's adorable. She's actually awesome. Okay. And I what agree. I want to discuss was why isn't anybody bringing up the fact of back in the day, a long time ago after Prohibition, that the Budweiser Clydesdales rolled up at the White House. Okay, I'm glad they don't call it anything else now. And they delivered beer to the White House with the Clydesdales on April 7th. That's my birthday. I just turned the ripe old age of 57. Happy birthday. Well, yeah, and and you're right. You know, um, back in uh, 1899, a guy named August Bush, who was, you know, part of Anheuser-Busch, uh, came up with the concept of the Budweiser Clydesdales to celebrate the repeal of the anti-liquor laws. And I'm looking at a photo of the Clydesdales and the Budweiser, um, um, I don't know what that's called, buggy, I guess, uh, and the horse and carriage type of deal here. And they're standing in front of the United States Capitol. And uh, that was the first Budweiser Clydesdale team parading down Pennsylvania Avenue to deliver a case of Budweiser to President Roosevelt. So, yeah, they've uh, continued the tradition ever since. But you are right, David, in Jaffrey, New Hampshire, that that's exactly how they got their first gig. Oh, God. All right. You know what? I love your show. I listen to you every night. I'm actually sitting in my Toyota Corolla. Ha, ha, ha. All right. (laughs) But I am drinking a Budweiser beer, and I'm no (laughs) lesbian. Uh, now you're just putting me on, but you shouldn't be drinking beer in your car. Uh, make sure you're not in the driver's seat because uh, you can get in all sorts of trouble. And uh, and your your sexual orientation is is your business. And and best of luck to you, brother. I appreciate you bringing that that bit of history to the table tonight because uh, it was a, it was a good one. And uh, who doesn't love the Clydesdales, right? Uh, I mean, a lot of people don't like Bud Light right now, but I think everybody still loves the Clydesdales. Anyway, thank you for your call. I do appreciate it. Uh, let us continue. Uh, we're we're going to continue straight ahead right after this. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. This is America at Night. With Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, we're taking your calls straight across the nation. Lots of topics on the table. Let us go to Danny and Rolla, Missouri. KTTR, go right ahead. Hey, uh, how you doing? Wonderful, sir. What's on your mind? Well, uh, I got three things. Started out with one, but. Well, hopefully we came, can get through all of them. When it came to the child sex thing with uh, Bill Gates, yeah, I don't think that anybody, any child, prepubescent, should be exposed to sex. I don't care what culture you're in, anything else. Yeah, I could agree with that. Second point, uh, Bill Clinton made a statement, oh, in the last two or three weeks, I believe, where he lamented advising Ukraine to give up their nuclear weapons back when he was president. 
Yeah. Which actually is kind of a testament to the Second Amendment. Sure. You know, I, if you're armed, yeah, you're not going to be attacked. Right. Yeah, you're 100% right. Look, what, but prior to them, and you, what the, the formal name of this is the... Uh, the Budapest uh, Memorandum of Security Assurances. And, you know, what, what's interesting there is that but prior to that memorandum, these Budapest Accords, n- n- there was no, uh, there was, there was always a, you know, a dust up here and there, but there was no claiming or annexation or whatever. Uh, it didn't happen. Once they got rid of it, you fast forward a couple of years and boom, there you go with Crimea. Boom, there you go with, um, the other place, I forget what they're taking over, the Donbass region, and uh, voila, here we are. So, yeah, I think you're right. Clinton, um, it was a rare moment of clarity and honesty, and uh, we played that clip on this program where he said he uh, he took a, he had a personal stake in it, and yeah, you're right, he was lamenting, he seemed so, uh, sorry, he seemed like apologetic about it, and it was definitely uh, one of those things where we should take note and say, hey, look, don't give up your nukes. Don't give up your guns. An armed society is a polite society. And uh, the, the concept of mutually assured destruction is what keeps everybody from doing the wrong thing, right? And uh, it's that Reagan mantra of peace through strength. So I appreciate the call. Danny and Rolla, Missouri, KTTR. Big shout out to everybody listening out there. Let us continue I'm trying to get as many in as possible. Let us go to... Where are we going here? Let's go to Sarah, Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Go right ahead. Uh, great show. Uh, I just want to talk about the uh, sex uh, thing that they're pushing for grade school kids. I work as a custodian in a grade school. Yes. Thankfully, we have not seen that here yet. But what happens in the liberal schools eventually happens in more conservative regions, given enough time. Uh, I strongly believe that it is the right and the duty of parents to um, teach their kids about sex, not the schools. And parents have a right to impart their values to their children. They are, after all, their children. And, um, you know, you were so right about unconventional warfare. I don't wonder if this isn't all part of a way to demoralize and weaken our children and groom them for sexual exploitation. And just like that uh, previous uh, a caller in your show talked about, that they, we need real men to fight wars, well... If you teach your kids to be decadent and corrupt and you make them hostile to the idea of gun ownership and you change their values to where they're weak and confused and unhappy, guess what? Nation is ripe for takeover. 100% right, Sarah. I appreciate the call. Really well put. Uh, we're going to continue very quickly before we hit the break. Uh, let's go to, uh, where was it? Right here. Glendale, Oregon, KQEN in Roseburg. Uh, Belva, welcome, Belva. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hi. I, I can't help but touch upon that as well as far as the conservatives need to fight back for what is going on with, like, Bill and Linda Gates and giving children information, allowing them to make their own 
Oh, we lost Belva. But you're right. Giving kids information um, to, to make their own decisions is is the right thing to do. Uh, but we don't have to coax them and guide them and tell them, hey, look, by the way, you might like this. You might like that. Let, let these people figure things out. Just teach them what the birds and the bees are if you're their parents and teach them what the reproductive system is if you're a teacher. And I think it should be that simple. We don't have to get into what's what, who's who, and who likes who. Anyway, the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, let's go to Pat in Sedona, Arizona. Pat, don't want to rush you, but with the clock is ticking. KDGO, Durango, Colorado. Go right ahead. Well, you know, I had a couple of points, but this one's the best. And I don't think anybody's thought about this. What do we have that the Chinese don't have and the Russians? The Russians may still have it, but it's a great uh, submarine fleet. Nuclear-powered nuclear missiles in our submarines. Why don't we put a couple of those near Taiwan, and if they attack Taiwan, let's tell them that might, what might happen. And it's like that gentleman says, if you if you don't have the weapons to protect yourself, they're coming to your front door. You're 100% and, and, right, Pat. And, and, I totally agree with that because, we, we, A, we should defend ourselves, uh, and, B, we kind of have a responsibility to defend Taiwan the same way we have a responsibility to defend Ukraine because, as President Clinton pointed out, we made them give up their nukes. We didn't just encourage them. We made them give up their nukes. They don't have nukes. And we said, don't worry. Get rid of your nukes. We'll protect you. Now they're getting taken over by Russia. And we're like, look, we'll send you tons and tons of cash, but we're not really going to protect you. And and that's uh, an unfortunate situation. But you're 100% right. Good to hear your voice, my brother. Always great to talk with you. Let's see. Can I get one more in? I think I can. Uh, let's go to Phil, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. KDKA, go right ahead. Yeah, I wanted to make a comment about a story you did a couple weeks ago about Blockbuster. Quickly. Um, I I think it would be really successful. I think there's a lot of people that still remember it, and you know, I think they would they would like that experience, and they would support Blockbuster again. I think I would, too. We could even make, like, a red hat and be like, you know, support Blockbuster again. What would that be? Uh, S-B-G-A's baga. Yeah, that wouldn't work out. But, Phil, thank you very much. I agree. I love Blockbuster. It's one of the best times of uh, of the 90s and, and 2000s. And uh, I think I've got time here. I'm going to go for it. Judy in Cannonsburg, Pennsylvania, also on KDKA. Go right ahead. you got probably about 30 seconds. Well, once the, I'll make it short. If they would stop letting people make um, contributions into their 401ks and all of their insurance programs and that type of thing prior to paying taxes, then Social Security would once again be very solvent. Wow, that is a brilliant concept and so well put. I agree with you. Let's use pre-tax dollars for everything and uh, stop beating people up. I think that makes a lot of sense, Judy, and I think you're very wise for making that recommendation. And we got them all in under the wire. Thank you, Judy. Big shout-out to everybody on KDKA and everybody who called in tonight. Excellent. 
Hasta la próxima. Until the next time. I am Rich Valdez. Take care, good night, and God bless. We're going to do it all again tomorrow, and I can't wait to do it. Until then, keep listening to the radio because there's great programming right here on this station, and it's coming right up. Don't go anywhere. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? Can you pay me more? Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.